0: Justin Fields, little Ramondre Stevenson, Ken Walker, uh, maybe even Justin Jefferson, Travis Kelsey. What about Kadarius Toney? Kadarius Toney, a lot of options for league winners, both obvious and maybe not so obvious. And that's what we're going to get into today. We're only a few short weeks away from the fantasy playoffs, from the best ball playoffs. Time to start seeing what teams maybe look the best, project the best. Have the most upside to win a million, $2 million come week 17 of this NFL season. Let's do it. All right, guys. I can't believe we're a month away from the fantasy playoffs, the best ball playoffs. All these guys. Let's talk about. the opposite of the league winners first. It's always good to start your show doing the opposite of what you said you were going to do. We're going to talk about league winners, but let's talk about the anti-league winners, the league losers, the injuries. But some of these injuries will probably set up some league winners. The the, the first, so we've obviously already had Trey Lance, we've had Javante Williams, Uh, You know, we've had tons of injuries, but now it's really compounding. And I would say three really major injuries basically were announced today. So if you haven't seen, Cooper Cup has gone on IR with a high ankle sprain. And to quickly talk about that, I do not think there's any league winners coming from this situation. I think this is the end of the Rams. (laughs) For this, for this year, we're getting excited and getting ready for the fantasy playoffs. I think the Rams are uh, getting ready for uh, the offseason. Hawaii vacation or something. Uh, I'm not even totally certain that they'll bring Cooper Cup back. I don't imagine they're going to win any games um, without him. Stafford is still in concussion protocol. They're a bad team. They're a bad football team. Uh, Cooper Cup teams are probably dead. Maybe he'll come back. We'll see. I, I wouldn't say Cooper Cup teams are totally dead, but, um, you know, you're not going to have them for the rest of the regular season. You need them to hopefully come back for the playoffs. They'll be out of the, the NFL playoff race by then. So <clears throat> Cooper Cup is an unfortunate situation. And unlike many of these other ones, right, we're not getting I mean, you, we could sit here and and say, oh, this is good for Alan Robinson or Dan Jefferson or Tyler Higby or whatever. But like, <laughs> sure. They'll get a couple extra targets. The offense couldn't score with Cooper Cup. What are they going to do without Cooper Cup? It's pretty much pretty much over. Play your defenses against the Rams in DFS moving forward and uh, go pick up the defenses against the Rams <laughs> in season long and call it a day. You know, it sucks. Cooper Cup uh, was a smash. We move on. Uh, Dallas Goddard. Uh, they have not announced exactly how long. I thought it was funny that he got hurt. It did look bad. He grabbed his knee uh when he got face masked and tackled last night in the game. They announced he is out, what, a significant amount of time or will miss quite a bit of time. I forget exactly what the the specific wording was on, on Goddard. That's that's brutal. Um let me pull up a couple things here and we can start walking through some of this stuff. Um, if I go to, and if you haven't seen, we're starting to, we're starting to build out some like kind of best ball and fantasy focused stats pages. And, um, this is, this is kind of the very, the very beginning of that. I'm very excited about, uh, this little kind of project we've, we've been working on. But if I go here and I take out all these other positions and I look at tight end and, uh, you know, So with, this is sorted by ADP, but you can sort by any of these. And we've got a whole bunch of stuff uh, here, including Spike Weeks, Mega Spike Weeks, not Mega, Mega Spike Weeks, Usable Weeks, Dud Weeks, right? Um, as well as Target Share, Air Yards, all that kind of stuff. And so you can compare, like, where guys were drafted. This is totally free right now as well. Go to SpikeWeek.com, go to NFL, and then go to Stats. But you can kind of compare points per game, right? Points added. It's like the points they're scoring above an average uh, week at their position, all sorts of different stuff in here. But tight end is where that can be like, I mean, it's powerful at all positions. But think about how low scoring tight end is, right? And so Goddard was being drafted down here at the the tight end seven, and on a oops, and on a points points per game basis, he was the tight end four, just recently surpassed by T.J. Hawkinson after a couple of good games. You know, T.J. Hawkinson had the one huge game, which is really what buoyed this. So, like you see, TJ Hawkinson has one mega spike week. Goddard had the one as well where he scored 27 fantasy points. Um, and I don't need to – we're going to post the uh, definitions of all these on these pages, but we don't need to get down into those nuts and bolts. But So if you drafted Dallas Goddard, right, of course, is he is he Travis Kelsey? You see he here uh, 7.5, 7.6 fantasy points per game. Of course not. But I mean, remember, Mark Andrews, granted, Mark Andrews kind of got dinged up and all that, Miss, you know, this is skewing his kind of-ish points per game, but it is what it is, right? Dallas Goddard was kind of close enough to Mark Andrews from a points per game perspective. And then when you go over here and we go to, you know, usable weeks, Travis Kelsey, a guy who we'll get to in a second, and Dallas Goddard. There's this little bucket above here of guys, yes, they're yes, maybe not putting up the total monster performances, which is something we care about a lot and care about in the playoffs. But you're just banking good weeks from Dallas Goddard was like a, a huge piece from where you were able to draft him, especially like if you have him in Eagle stacks. AJ Brown and Devonta Smith are awesome, but Dallas Goddard was a low-key, like huge winner. Uh, You know, not necessarily like what I would classify as the typical league winner. Some of the guys we'll get to later, but kind of at the tight end position, like the the power of Travis Kelsey is not only that he puts up great weeks. I mean, look at this eight spike weeks. You know, he's a monster. That's that's a huge power. That's why he goes in the first round, but also just like not having to worry about the tight end position. Even when he doesn't put up big games, you're like, yep, I'm getting my 10. I'm getting my 10 or 12. And that's good enough at tight end. And you were like sort of getting that from Dallas Goddard. Not quite the same, but I mean, eight usable weeks out of 10 games. And that's that's all you could ask for. One dud, right? So you see, you see we have a column here for dud weeks. <laughs> it's hard to sort by the top because this is actually kind of funny when you see. Uh, Robert Tunyon is uh, uh, one spike week and eight dud weeks. So I guess he's, uh, he, he's the definition of... Uh, Boom bust. Mike Kosecki. Here's a good one. Mike Isecki, uh, One mega spike week. One spike week. Three usable weeks and a bunch of duds. So maybe it's the kind of guy that we like. But we go. You go look at the zero. Travis Kelsey has not had a dud. <laughs> uh, the hilariously, uh, Quentin Tarantino's, uh, son here on here. Um, but at the again at the very top, there's you know these other guys are, um, kind of sample size issues. Tommy Sweeney and Grant Calcaterra, outside of Travis Kelsey. Dallas Goddard has one dud week. You just—it was just a locked-in great pick, and clearly had the upside. He had the one twenty-seven-point game. You know that's just brutal, and and it wipes out another huge critical tight end. Will Goddard be back? Yeah, I assume so. We don't really have a firm. Uh, we don't really have a firm answer from the Eagles on, you know, exactly when he'll be back, but it's kill. I mean, it's killer because you might lose some of those Goddard teams, right? You were counting on his seven to 15 points every single week. And uh, now you're, now you're getting nothing. You know, your backup Titan might be, I have like Brevin Jordan, backup Titans. Who's not even playing the Alberto and Brevin Jordan coffins in, uh, in baseball. But anyway, we're here to talk about league winners, and I guess that's an interesting intro into it because Dallas Goddard to me was kind of like a totally under the radar league winner, not the type of league winner we would normally think of. Another one at tight end, I've seen um, our good friend Mike, Mike Leone talk about Zach Ertz, and Zach Ertz was definitely a whiff, whiff for me. But in a kind of funny sense, if we sort by usable weeks, Zach Ertz was, you know, he didn't have the ceiling. That we saw from Goddard, right? Goddard kind of had two more big games, which is more impactful. But again, Ertz was just getting you tight end points. And there is something to be said. Yes, we're all about upside winning tournaments and all that. There is something to be said for getting my double digit points every single week and moving on, especially when he was drafted at an ADP over here of 113 and the tight end 10. So he's done for the year. He's out for the year. Um should have led with that. buried the lead a little bit. But Zach Ertz is out for the year. And so we lost three of the most critical tight ends. <laughs> we, we've lost two of the most critical tight ends in, in all of fantasy. David Njoku is hurt. Mark Andrews is hopefully going to be back this week. Tight end is just an absolute barren uh, wasteland. Yeah, uh, as Liam says, shout out Liam. Hard to say fading Ertz in half PBR is a whiff when part of it was to fade an old player, and then he gets hurt. 100%. I totally agree. He is a g- good example of, um, in the Discord today, which you, if you have not joined the Spike Week Discord, there's a link in the description um, to join that. Totally free. People hanging out. We're talking all sorts of this sicko stuff 24-7, but it's a lot of fun. I'm a sicko and I enjoy it. I agree with this. I, I mean, I agree with this. Thing. Ertz is one of those. We get so like ingrained with the results of everything. Every player, right? This got her. I got this right, or I didn't get this right. And Zach Ertz could be, honestly, if you drafted Zach Ertz, you could say, I was right. I, I got a, a lot of valuable results from Zach Ertz. And my thesis was, he's going to get the ball. He draws a lot of targets. You know, Nuke is out for the first six weeks. Who knows what's going to happen? And there's value in that at the tight end position and I'm just going to take the I'm going to take those points to the bank. And you got that. And I can't really it's fine that's fine. But if you faded and you said he's not going to put up big enough weeks, right? As we're looking at the screen here, he's not going to put up enough spike weeks. He's just going to be getting by with usable weeks. I don't care if I don't have him and he's old, as Liam says, that that opens him up to getting hurt or getting benched for a second round rookie. He ended up getting hurt. So the thesis of that played out too. Both can be true. It's okay you know what i mean like we're we're always in search of these answers from every situation and there doesn't have to be like a lesson from Zach Ertz in my opinion he got hurt you could say look i'm i'm a genius i told you he was going to get hurt or you could say look he had, he got me a usable week every goddamn week of the season <laughs> and i drafted him in you know at pick 120 that seems fine you know so i but i think it's i think it's all i think it's all um, Sorry, I'll make sure and hit some of these uh, everybody's comments. Yeah, Brevin Jordan inactive was... I don't know what's going on. They're... Ten, they're, they're <laughs> I assume that they're trying to lose, basically, and we're playing Jordan Aikens? And not Brevin Jordan? I, I don't get it. I don't get it. So, safe to say Brevin Jordan's not in the league winner. Uh... <laughs> Discussion. Yeah, what is Isaac, what's the meaning of life? You came to the wrong place. All I care about is fantasy sports and dogs and gambling. <laughs> and I'm big into uh Formula One now and the uh, true crime documentaries. There's 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 the meaning of life for me. You just gotta you just got the, the ten the elevator pitch on the only things that I get my wife, my dogs, fantasy sports, gambling. <laughs> Formula One, and and binging every true crime documentary ever to come to a streaming service. <laughs> that's that's uh that's life. Um, anyway, let me double back here. This is interesting. Timo says uh, Eno claimed by the Texans. I think that's pretty, um, pretty interesting. In the in the, I'll try to stay on on schedule here with the league winner talk. Eno is like a crazy fascinating guy in this whole discussion where. We'll get to the Justin Fields and the Ken Walkers and all that of the world. I kind of think the conversation is more fun around league winners, around these types of guys. I keep talking about Kadarius Tony, so I'll try not to talk about him too much. But those types of guys are the league winners that I think are the most interesting. Right. Um, Eno, Eno might be the most fascinating. He, he, the thesis of Eno hits, right? James Conner is made out of uh uh You know, pixie dust and rubber bands and chewing gum. Double bubble, too. You know, so it goes bad really fast. Not even, like, a long-lasting gum. He falls apart immediately. Start of the season. Shocker. Eno comes in, takes that job away from Daryl Williams. Daryl Williams also gets hurt, right? But Eno outperformed everybody else in that backfield. The thesis of the play on Eno hits. He also has some big weeks. One in particular that are huge for you during the early part of the season. So he's a clear winner just from a few games as a 18th round pick on underdog. Then, you know, he goes away because Connor comes back and now he moves on to a new team (laughs) because they don't agree on who's getting the ball. You know, it's probably right. He moves to the Texans who have been using Rex Burkhead behind damian pierce who is to say we come down the stretch here and eno doesn't pop up again right it's this it's been a roller coaster ride getting to what could be a potential league winner in eno but when you it'd be one thing like if we were just chasing last year's rashad penny which is what we're going to be doing with some of these guys that we'll talk about today it's what Kadarius tony is is uh is kind of the the the, the new, the wide receiver version of last year's Rashad Penny doesn't do shit all year, doesn't even play <laughs> almost all year, then b- comes back into a good situation with, you know, for, for Tony, he's on the Chiefs and other guys have gotten hurt. For Penny, it was he was on a good offense too the Russ Russ led Seahawks, and now he was the guy, right? This guy who doesn't do anything and then comes in at the end. That's the Rashad Penny. The Eno is this weird, he did stuff early, then disappeared. Disappeared so badly that he gets cut. (laughs) And then moves into another potentially interesting situation. Now, it's not as interesting as the Cardinals because the Texans just don't score points. I mean, Damian Pierce has 100 yards every week and is not very good for fantasy because he never gets in the paint because they don't score touchdowns. But, you know, come playoff time, who's to say that that doesn't change? So he's really interesting in this, uh, in this lens. Jamison brings up from when we were talking about Cooper Cup earlier, the Cup injury might make Higby a volume guy. That's true. I mean, Higby was a volume guy after Cup went down. So you, you definitely can say like, oh, this is potentially going to raise Higby's floor because Higby had kind of gone away for like a month after the crazy start to the season with targets. He pretty much evaporated to dust. Somebody's got to get some targets, even if they're John Wolford targets on a team not scoring any points. So I do think it it generally helps Higby raise his projection every single week, but it tanks the offense. And just like, how much are you going to get by on Tyler Higby catching four yard passes? You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, get ready for a bunch of Kyron Williams uh, two yard runs. Only blur says, would we rather have injuries in the summer after we drafted or injuries in season on a good team? What hurts more in the summer? I've forgotten. If a guy gets hurt over in the summer, I you, you forget about it by this point. It still stings. But the sting of having the good team that has, you know, the smash team that has Dallas Goddard or Cooper Cup. My best teams, uh, some of my best teams have Cooper Cup. And Goddard, frankly, but um, the cup one stings really bad because it feels like that's definitely dead. Goddard, you're at least like keeping a light on for you know Ertz. If Ertz was on your best teams, you feel that stings to me way worse. Um, let's see. Doo, doo, doo. Yeah, Lundar says uh, the, the Rams gave up gave up a pick to the Lions, and it's going to end up being in the top five. That is crazy. Also, my God, yes, this to this while we're walking through some of these injuries. Another interesting situation. I think either one of these guys could be the league winner. Hollywood comes back. They are in a very interesting situation with the Cardinals where they're definitely still going to be pushing for the playoffs because the Rams are so bad. The 49ers have lost a few games, you know, Seahawks have lost a few games. So those guys are going to be duking it out. The NFC is terrible. Cardinals are definitely going to be pushing. They have not been able to push the ball down the field at all. Uh, Really with Hollywood, but they get Robbie Anderson. He's not even playing. He's useless. AJ Green is out here still getting still getting touches. I I think we could get a little bit of Hollywood juice. Rondale's Rondale. What did he have? Like 14 targets this week or something like that. And it, but it's just all nuke and Rondale kind of underneath stuff, you know, a little bit more than underneath stuff, but you know what I mean? The archetype of those two players is such that you're just not getting a lot of explosive plays. Um, so you introduce Hollywood into that offense I'm not sure that they're really going to ever be successful running the ball with James Conner. I think, I think it's reasonable that Hollywood could sneak into this discussion of a guy who was great, kind of like the expensive wide receiver version of Eno. Hollywood was awesome early on, goes away for a month or two, comes back, which now lowers his ownership later in the season, and is on and on a, a one of the offenses that hasn't totally crumbled. Now the Cardinals haven't been, haven't been good but at least their function would you rather have hollywood or allen robinson that one's pretty easy you know what i mean uh and then mike williams is just i mean jesus christ the chargers need somebody to throw the ball to absolutely need somebody to throw the ball to very interesting year for sure um do 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 let's see here yeah pretty good landing spot um <laughs> shout out matt yes in case you in case you can't see uh i'm rocking the i'm rocking a unc hoodie <clears throat> and uh my wife and i are going to the slew st louis university plays memphis tonight um so we're going we're going to the game i'm very i'm very excited about that uh also penny was my favorite player uh Favorite basketball player as a child growing up and everything, so maybe I'll get down there and try to go give him a dap him up or something after the after the slew win tonight. Um, segwaying off of the Ertz injury and off of the bullshit nonsense that I'm talking about, Al says I was drafting a ton of Trey McBride this off season. I didn't, <laughs> didn't know what he looked like, didn't know he was a white guy till till last weekend. Um, yeah, Colorado State tight end won the Mackey Award uh he actually was basically as efficient uh, a receiver in his final year in college as Kyle Pitts was and Kyle Pitts like set the world ablaze and you know as a as a receiver efficiency wise um at Florida in his final year that's why he was the greatest tight end prospect of all time and went 4th overall but Trey McBride was uh a monster at Colorado State now he's not the athlete he's a f- okay Athlete for an NFL tight end. He's not that level of athlete, obviously, but Trey McBride at a tight end position, if he can just fill in for like most of what Zach Ertz was doing and you're getting that right. So that the thing about Zach Ertz, like we talked about earlier, is even if you didn't draft him, you probably still don't necessarily feel that bad because he never again, th- if we went back to the usable weeks, he was only putting up. Usable weeks at tight end, and like a usable week at tight end is helpful. It's not setting you over the top, but if you get, if you can get that, maybe with a little more juice, if you can just get that role, like if you, if you put Zach Ertz in the 18th round, yes, <laughs> God sign me up. The reason you didn't take him is because you went 113th overall, right? You don't pay that price for that production, but if you get that production in the 18th round tight end where nobody freaking scores any points nobody <laughs> then that's that's incredibly valuable and so um i have a good i have a good amount of Trey mcbride uh let me oh i shared the wrong screen one second um i can pull up and see any here's all my underdog teams so not sorted by uh best ball mania let me put mcbride in and we can see if we can find anything that's so I have 29 Trey McBride teams. Of course, the best one is in the big board. 17% advance rate. So not not amazing, but that's kind of when you're pulling in the advance rate for granted, he was a last round player. When you're pulling in who has not not scored any fantasy points, it's probably not going to be very good. The best team is in the big board. I, I think I remember I've I've seen this team. I think it is um Trey McBride and uh Kylan Granson at tight end are my only tight ends. Oh yeah, because it has Blake Jarwin. <laughs> Shout out to the big board draft, but uh, this so this team in the big board could really use Trey McBride to become Zach Ertz because it only it's been it's been getting by. Uh, let me see where it stands. It's in first and it is up by one hundred and twenty nine point six points, and it has had Trey McBride and Kylan Grant in a tight end all year. But uh, I mean, Josh Allen and Diggs can solve a lot of problems. Derrick Henry, Leonard Fournette, don't feel great about Fournette, having Fournette, but I mean, generally, uh, Derrick Henry. Demont, Michael Carter, Lenny, and Miles Sanders. I think that'll that'll do it, running back with Diggs. Sutton looking good, although Judy, Judy's injury seems to be fine. Kenny Galladay, Yikes, Pickens, fun team. Um doo, doo, doo. is Van Jeff back? Um, he's playing. He played last week. Played last two weeks, or three, I don't know. He's running wind sprints. He's pulling a Mac Hollins. That's what we call. It. Used to be a Chris Hogan or a Jalen Guyton. Now it's a Mac Collins. <clears throat> Remember when Mac Collins had that like forty fantasy point week? And now he just runs wind sprints, even though Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller are out. God, the Raiders are bad. Um, so I think I think Trey McBride's a really interesting guy. At the tight end position with the Zach Ertz injury. So we talked about Higby a little bit. Um, obviously, from a best ball perspective, there's nobody really from the Goddard situation at tight end. Uh, Jack stole. Is it Jack stole? Is that right? Anyway, stole will step into uh more of a role with with the Eagles. But he's I don't think he's gonna be able to earn targets like Goddard. So I think, I mean, it hurts the offense. Because Goddard's really good, so it, it's a little ding to Jalen Hurts in the short term, and then I do think, you know, AJ Brown, Devonta Smith, uh, you should be feeling pretty good about them drawing some more targets. Maybe a little, a smidgey, a smidgey of uh Quez Calcaterra. Thank you, Ryan, Ryan Jack Stolen Grant Calcaterra. Calcaterra was a reasonable uh, receiver from from Oklahoma to SMU uh so he'd probably be the guy i would bet on in uh uh as a pass catcher over over stole but i that's just a total snap snap take um so he, some uh, so let's go through some of those under the radar guys right if you if you have someone that i may uh miss please by all means add it in I, cuz i i do want to talk about kadarius tony a little bit um So I think I think most people kind of generally agree, but I also think um, it's a tricky situation because it it may appear that some of it was due to injury this past weekend. Like, of course, some of it was due to injury what he uh, what he did. But the most interesting thing to me about Kadarius Tony was that uh, he 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 didn't really play that much. I think I think that's actually part of what people are missing a little bit. If we go. And look at Tony. So, in his first game with the Chiefs, he played all of nine snaps. You see here, he played all of nine, nine snaps. And on those, he he was in there to get the ball, (laughs) right? On those nine snaps, he got two, two touches, two targets. Then we go to the Jags game, and he was out there getting uh, run and getting targeted before i I hate what they did with the video on uh, <sighs> pro football reference, but so he he he's getting run early. I mean he he caught the first touchdown pass from Patrick Mahomes. Then Juju goes down with Hardman already down. He didn't actually get like a crazy boost in playing time. as you see here. He played 28 offensive snaps. Who got the crazy boost in playing time was Justin Watson and Sky Moore and Jody Fortson and Noah Gray. You know, so we went to more Noah Gray. We went to all the Justin Watson, which I played Justin Watson and DFS. And, of course, 75% of snaps, 0% ownership at 2-3K. So lame. Uh, wow, my wife just said that uh, we had a delivery and they actually rang the doorbell which normally sends my dogs into absolute chaos and uh, and uh, they are so tired that they didn't even flinch. My dude is passed out over here that doesn't that doesn't happen. So on Tony I am taking this both of these comments. Jameson says both Tony and Claypole not greatly increasing snaps. Is pretty annoying. I get it. And he still doesn't know the system. I totally get those takes. But all that means is we're we're sitting on a freaking gold mine. He's better than McCole Hardman. Scott, he's better than Sky. He's definitely better than Justin Watson. And they're making a concerted effort to get him the ball. And he's producing. He looked awesome on Sunday in these whatever, 28 snaps, and he put up a great week in those 28 snaps. What happens when he does learn the playbook over these next few weeks, when he does start to get to 60 70% snaps, right? MVS is going to play the, the MVS role. Juju will be back, and Tony's going to be out there getting touches not sky, not Justin Watson. It's going to be Tony. All he does is earn targets and earn touches when he's out there. 4 for 57 and 1 plus 2 carries for 33 yards. He was either targeted or, you know, seven opportunities in 28 snaps. 25% of the time he was on the field, he's getting the rock. And that's pretty valuable on the on the, on the Chiefs. He doesn't need to play 80% of snaps. Let MVS run block. Let Noah Gray run block. You know what I mean? Who cares if he's out there when Isaiah Pacheco's running the ball? You want him to go run routes and get 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 carries. I think it's only going to keep rising, in my opinion, for Kadarius Stoney. Like, unless he plays bad, all he's doing is outperforming these other wide receivers already, not knowing the full system or whatever. I mean... It's just he to me, Kadarius Stoney feels like the poster boy for the under the radar league winner. To me, you just don't get a dude with a, fir- a first round pick just a year ago. I know there's people didn't like that he was a first round pick or whatever, but all he did was earn work on the Giants last year, albeit in a small sample, get traded to the best offense in the league who needs wide receiver help. He also fits from a, a profile perspective, an archetype perspective, exactly what they want. They want to be able to, you know, give him carries. They want to be able to jet sweeps and shovel passes and uh, uh zone reads and everything with with Tony. And he's gonna earn work. And as Yuge says, he's good enough with the ball in his hands, like just get they're just gonna get it to him a handful of times, and he's gonna be dynamite. He's literally He's literally called the human joystick. It's his nickname. It's the human joystick because he's unreal with the ball in his hands. So uh, Tony is my guy. I'll shut up about him now. People are probably sick of me talking about uh, Kadarius Tony. But um, James asked when Hardman comes back, don't they play a similar role? Yeah, except Tony's better. So like Sky goes away. Justin Watson goes away. And, you know, probably some of the two tight end stuff goes away. Jody Fortson goes away. He doesn't need to play. Like, that's the thing is Hardman was kind of low-key smashing. Uh, (laughs) Hardman was kind of low-key smashing on not. He wasn't playing a a whole shit ton of snaps. You know, it was MVS playing every snap. Juju working his way up to the majority of snaps. Obviously, Kelsey and and the tight ends and it's kind of this weird rotation outside of outside of MVS and Juju at wide receiver. Now you just bring Tony back and he's going to get his, you know what I mean? And he doesn't need to be so maybe you take a little bit of MVS off, you take a little bit of Juju off, Hardman still gets his whatever, but Hardman just is living off of these, you know, shovel, not shovel passes, you know, these rushing touchdowns at the goal line, these kind of trick plays and stuff. He can get a little bit of that, but Tony didn't score on a trick play. Tony was in the backfield, but he didn't score on a, on a, on a trick play and they can give him the ball too. It's not like, you know, it's not Madden, right? Where like Hardman's back. Hardman is going to take that work at the Z or whatever, you know, like that. It doesn't kind of work that way. I think they traded they, they traded for Kadarius Toney because they didn't have enough in their current wide receiver core. If he keeps playing well, they're not going to be like, oh, yeah, that guy we traded for because we know Hardman's not good enough. Yeah, we're going to keep him on the bench over Hardman. Like, it just doesn't pass the smell test to me. You know what I mean? Will he play 90% of snaps? No, that's not the expectation. But he doesn't need to be. Tyreek Hill didn't play 90% of snaps on the Chiefs and was a stone-cold smash. You know, you're just looking for – Sixty six. Get to sixty five percent. Like if he can get to, you know, you just need to play on passing downs. I don't give a shit if he blocks for Pacheco when he runs for two yards, or Ceh when he runs for negative two yards. I just get out there, run some routes, baby. Um, pretty pretty excited about him. I like this. Ricky says these guys that move different are just smashing for for the most part. Um, that is that is a excellent. Kind of way to put it, these you know crazy guys with the football in their hands. Garrett, Garrett Wilson, Kadari Stoney mentions Ken Walker. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, obviously Tyreek. Look at what Ty- Tyreek is. Tyreek is just a one of one. You know, there is no other Tyreek Hill, and so sometimes in the league winner conversation, particularly. Those guys can be league winners more easily than uh, than Najee Harris. Sorry, Najee's always the guy that comes to my mind. I apologize, Felix, if you're watching this or if you watch this later. Najee Harris is not. <clears throat> Najee Harris is not a special football player. He's fine. It, it, we can. I don't really care to debate exactly how good or bad Najee is. That's pretty played out at this point. But I think everyone agree. <laughs> I didn't know if you were here. I thought I could, I hadn't seen you in chat. So I thought I could sneak a Najee comment by my apologies. What about even like Dalvin is Dalvin even like a, you know, a guy, like Dalvin's a good football, good running back, but like you're never giving Dalvin the ball and he does what Ken Walker has done like four times already this year. Ken Walker was hurt to start the season. Ken Walker wasn't even playing the first few games. He's got all these crazy. Well, let's look at running back. Let me undo, undo this and go to go to running back. From a, if we look at spike weeks, where is Ken Walker? Three three spike weeks, two mega spike weeks. So two monster performances and three big time performances, basically for Ken Walker. Six total usable weeks, three dud weeks. And that, that's partially because the dude, you know, was, Penny was playing. So the guy has basically been an absolute fantasy monster. Particularly when we think about it through the best ball lens of the spike week, usable week, etc. Ken Walker, he's just a dynamic football player. He's in a good situation now too, obviously. But like, when you can just do that, I mean, look at this list. Of all the sp- this is sorted by sp- by raw number of spike weeks for uh, for Derrick Henry mutant <laughs> one of one Austin Eckler and he say whatever we want about you know it's a lot of passing volume related that dude's a bad dude mainly in the passing game but that he's is a really good football player Austin Eckler Nick Chubb probably the best pure runner you know him it, but Derrick Henry prime Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb were pretty close right now. Nick Chubb, probably the best pure runner. Put it in his hands. He's a freak. Ramondre is probably not quite that level of freak, but he's a pretty good football player. CMC, say no more. Superstar. Saquon Barkley, superstar. Then you start to get into Josh Jacobs. A little bit more volume related, but he's looked really good this year. Aaron Jones, freaky athlete, right? Jamal Williams, touchdowns. But then Ken Walker. So like, yes, can you get there? as a Josh Jacobs or Jamal Williams into the the type of league winning running back we're talking about, which is these spike weeks and these huge weeks. That's what we want from our league winners at running back especially, right? The Zach Ertz's of running backs don't... That doesn't move the needle for us. The running backs who are going to go absolutely nuts and have two monster weeks and three more spike weeks and six total usable weeks... Ken Walker does that. Najee just can't do it cuz he doesn't have the God did not gift him with the physical ability. He did God didn't gift me with the physical ability, you know, to do a lot of things. That's just how it works. Those guys have more outs. Why do everybody loves to bash the Kyle Pitts thing what? Kyle Pitts, you know, you idiots. You couldn't see the Falcons weren't going to throw. You couldn't, you know, you were just betting on this Kyle Pitts talent. You're you're dumb, you know, whatever. The Kyle Pitts dialogue is the most useless argument of, of all time because then we come back around to Ken Walker. I know the cost different, whatever. Everybody was shitting all over the the, the Seahawks all summer. <laughs> Drew Locke and the Seahawks. Oh, my God, they're going to be the worst offense in the NFL. Pete Carroll, he spent a second-round pick on a running back when he already has Rashad Penny. Everybody's joking about it. That we conveniently throw that shit out the window when, we, when people want to dunk on somebody for drafting Kyle Pitts. It's like, oh, you couldn't see it coming with the Falcons? Did you see it coming with the Seahawks? No. So we just draft special football players. I didn't draft much Ken Walker. I'm an idiot. I think that was a, that was a bad process. I took a, mostly Brashad Penny. The special football player, like Ken Walker, has the pads to do this. And when you're wrong about the situation, when you're Mark Andrews last year, The market was wrong about Ravens' passing volume. It doesn't matter how it played out. The market was wrong about the Ravens' passing volume. And so when you're wrong, guess what happens to the special football player? Mark Andrews. Smash. So we spend all summer doing all these projections and all this shit, and that's how you get Brandon Cooks. That's how you get Allen Robinson, the non-special football players. And the special football players, like Ricky says, you have all these outs to smashing, and when we're wrong, most importantly, when the, the market or whatever is wrong about the Dolphins, the, the market says, ah, they're going to run. I can't, Tua can't throw it to Tyreek, whatever. Guess what happens when you're wrong? The superstar football player, the one-of-one, one, the freak, goes nuts and wins you your league. Ken Walker, when we're all wrong, right? Rashad Penny goes down, and we're all wrong about the Seahawks. Ken Walker wins you your league. So like, you know, we're gonna miss. You're gonna miss. Javante gets hurt. Uh, Kyle Pitts. You know, the Falcons are throwing six times a game. They might as well just run the. Why don't they just run the veer? Why don't we just go old school, Navy? You know, I used to I used to run the triple option. Uh, I I would I would play as Air Force in the, the old NCAA football games. Because I loved it. We were in the wing T when I was in high school. But I loved the triple option. It's such a fascinating offense. And we played against some teams that ran the triple option uh, in college, too, actually. And it's such a fun offense. So why don't the Falcons, like, like, just quit this pistol zone read shit. Let's just go full, full on veer. Old school. Let's get in the wing T. Let's, let's, let's get in the double wing. Let's run some frickin' triple option. Just quit messing around, trying to throw it three times a game to Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Just, just fully establish it. They, they, are, they got three running backs. Put Caleb Huntley at fullback. Pat and Algier at the two wings. Mariota at quarterback. Pitts and London outside. Easy game. Just embrace it if we're going to run it. But you know what I mean? Like, It's easy right now to get confirmation bias about the things that we were right about. Because we all project the teams, and we're all wrong constantly. But when we're right, it's like, "Yep, we, you know, we we told you. What do you mean you drafted Kyle Pitts? What do you mean you drafted whoever? Right? What do you mean you drafted Rashad Bateman? Don't you know the Ravens aren't going to throw enough to sustain him? Like, but they did last year, and now and now." And I was supposed to draft Mark Andrews. Explain that one to me. One of my lessons is a lot of what uh, partially what what Ricky said with a, you know a side of flair, if you will. I, I team context matters. It absolutely matters. But figuring out how to more appropriately blend the two, I think, our overall market has not figured that part out. I'm not saying... I definitely haven't. And I'm not saying I will be able to by next summer. But one thing I want to try to do by next summer is be like, okay, I, people will people will say... People will make it binary. When I'm trying to target league winners, which is really all I'm trying to do. I don't care. like Like, the Zach Ertz thing, that's not really for me. I get why people would like it. It's not, it's not how I prefer to play. I would rather luck into the Trey McBride than spend the 10th round pick on, on Zach Ertz. That's just how I prefer this. But how do we project out all these things and figure out who to target from within the context of their offense with their skill? Both of those things were going to be wrong about a ton. Like actually who is awesome? Who are these special players? we didn't really know that Ken Walker was a special player. I mean, he's a second round pick good dynamic runner in college, but like, that doesn't always mean he's going to be a good dynamic runner in the NFL. And of course our, our coming in position was that the Seahawks were awful. So how do you blend some of these things together to find the, the, the best players to target? Um, and I think, I think this is a good, this is definitely a, a, uh, a good point. Everyone is like oh this guy's you know got his hand in the dirt like yes you have to try and peg dynamic players before everyone understands they are dynamic. And and I would also add that it's not even just pegging them before everyone else understands it. It is kind of creating this Air bar, if you will, you create, you're creating a range of outcomes. And definitely the offense play right. Damian Pierce is a very dynamic player and that's why he's usable. It's like, I, I want to uh, search for Damian Pierce because he's a interesting guy here. So Damian Pierce, perfect example. You see at the top has had two spike weeks. You would think you would think as the RB 14 that kind of came out of nowhere, right? Uh, looks really good, looks dynamic. You would get a little bit more upside from him, but he is absolutely hampered by the Texans' offense. And so you're getting a lot of these, you're getting a lot of these usable weeks. And that's probably because he's dynamic. You're, you're, you're getting a really good football player. You know, RB20 plus. He was going way, way, way cheaper than RB20 for most of the summer. And his, uh, his skill is propelling him, even in a bad situation, to be usable. But if not appropriately priced, which he kind of got to be inappropriately priced by the end, right? He was he was probably like the one of the best picks in fantasy for most of the summer and then probably one of the worst by the end. But that's important. That dynamic is important when trying to target these league winners through the lens of this kind of talent and dynamic. Dynamic, di- dynamicism, dynamic. I don't, know, I don't know. We're making up words. The the dynamic players. Everyone agrees that matters, but how do we appropriately find them? Right. I, I would argue it's a little easier than we, than than people will say, and it's a little tougher than people will say to identify offenses not at the, uh, the polar, you know, the the two ends of the spectrum. Assuming health, we know, assuming health to Josh Allen, we know that the Bills are going to be an elite offense. We know that the Chiefs are going to be an elite offense. Uh, I'm trying to think of any other ones. We kind of knew what we were getting from the Bengals, which is like borderline elite offense, but like going to have some elite weeks just because of how good those football players are. We know those, uh, right? And we knew the Texans were bad. Period. <laughs> Full stop. There were reasons for probably almost every other offense in the outside of the I you know, I'm missing some guys for sure, but I'm, I'm, I'm missing some teams. In the middle is like, the dolphins could have been run heavy and not so good. It's possible. There was a percentage chance that right within a range of outcomes, that was in the range of outcomes. But also this, this league winning offense was in the range as well. And so I think that kind of outside of those two crazy ends of the spectrum focusing in on that dynamic player is probably our best bet. Now we're again we're going to miss on those just like we're going to miss on offenses, but I I I think that there's more payoff in finding the Ken Walkers then there is payoff in being right about the Vikings being a great offense. You know what I mean? Like, so you were so you were right that the Falcons are not a great offense. Like, what did you win? Nothing. I mean you faded Kyle Pitts, okay. You know what but what did you like if you use if you if you then apply that same logic elsewhere, and you say, "Well, I also think the Seahawks are going to suck," and I also think that the what the Jets are going to suck and the Jaguars are going to suck, right? Because it's probably what you're doing. If you're saying all those same things, if you're applying the same principles again, I'm generalizing, but if you're applying the same principles across all the across the board, how do you find? How do you find uh, it, it? that's all. All that shit's priced in. H- how do you find league winners? Right like that's what we're talking about here today how the hell do we find these league winners I think it's interesting anyway rambled on about that a lot let's talk about some of these other guys let's talk about Justin Fields uh actually let's talk about a uh, oh, shout out to you Jack thank you for subscribing um give us a give us a like appreciate the feedback only blur says I drafted quite a bit of Eric Azukama fourth round rookie from the dolphins by the way in the summer, he was projected to be the fourth wide receiver behind Cedric Wilson, Jalen Waddell, and Tyreek Hill. He hasn't suited up yet, but he's on the 53. Yeah, uh, Sherfield kind of ruined Ezukama, uh, because he, he could have been, uh, could have been possibly a thing with, uh, when Wilson was out. But, uh, they went to the veteran. You know, you know how, I mean, look at, look at the running backs that, uh, Mike McDaniel has brought, brought in Mostert and Jeff Wilson. And then, uh, uh, he he's, he's found his new Cal use check and then Trent shirt. He was like, ah, oh, I need a third wide receiver while Wilson's out. Yep. Sure. Trent Shurfield, my old buddy. So that's just kind of an unfortunate part of, uh, of the, uh, 49ers experience in you know, the, the 49ers system, the Mike McDaniel experience. Um, do, do, do. I'm sorry. I'm going to make sure I hit some of these questions. What role do you think? Ken Walker has if Penny is healthy. Yeah, uh, he's the 1B. I think that that was sort of proven. Now, that could change over the course, but this is actually kind of a a great point. I think Penny and Walker were both awesome picks. Awesome picks. There is an alternate universe where Walker went, went down and Penny goes nuts. Or there's an alternate universe where... Penny was the 1A when Walker had come back. It's easy to say now after we see Ken Walker having a a great season, but Rashad Penny, Rashad Penny is an awesome running back too. We saw what he did last year and he had good weeks this, this year too. Uh, You know, he, let me pull, I can pull, pull him up really quick. If I look at Penny. Penny, (laughs) Any before getting hurt. Penny had one monster game, another spike week, and a usable week. Now he, he, you know, has kind of had the additional duds, but he had monster games because he's really good at, at the game too. He's really dynamic. He's a really good football player, and he was getting the volume in that offense. I just, I don't, I don't think. He, I, th- I think sometimes again it can be it's not apples to apples, but like the Earths thing, they're. There's it, it doesn't have to be this was right or and this was wrong. I think both sides of the Earths thing could be can be right. Both sides can be wrong. Both sides of this, meaning Penny or Walker. I think they were both right. If you dra- what, what I what I wish I would have done is split it up more. I focused in on Penny, mostly a risk tolerance and a, a personal preference thing. I wish a lesson learned for me is I think that they were both good picks. And I should have spread it out more, but like they can both be right, and then the outcome plays out in such a way that we think only one of them was right. Right? Walker was always the league winner. Walker was always the league winner, but that's not true. Penny could have been. Look at this. Penny was putting up league-winning type production before he got hurt, multiple big games. But then he gets hurt, and that's what creates what. Right? But the opposite could be true too. Penny would. Penny could be smashing right now. If uh, that's what Penny did last year, Penny smashed when Chris Carson was out. So um, I think both, I think both is this kind of like that, that can be the answer. Um, yeah. I need to double check. Jake asks uh, are the dud weeks when he plays or is that from injury? I need to, I need to go. I need to double check and make sure uh, what we got going in the dud weeks. I don't, I, I don't believe it's supposed to include injuries, but I, I, I want to. I do want to. I do want to double check that. Yeah, I want to double check that. Um, there we go. Hughes, he only played five weeks, so I'm guessing that uh, it's counting a couple of the dud weeks in there. Uh, uh, do Think if you're on the highest price guy in a backfield, and, and you like the talent of the backups, you should make sure you get to them too, just as like a personal guide. I think that's totally fair. I think that's, that's absolutely completely totally fair. Um, okay. Let's talk about, you know, we talked for 55 minutes and let's actually get, get to one of the big monster. We did talk about Ken Walker, who's definitely a league winner, but um, he, he's easy, right? Those guys are easy. It's like Ken Walker, pretty good league winner. <laughs> and uh, you know, you're getting, top five running back production from a, a mid-round pick that uh that makes sense so justin fields though fascinating what i would call league winner i feel confident like i feel confident in ken walker being called a league winner you know if he gets hurt here down the stretch it is what it is <clears throat> kind of same thing with justin fields but i feel pretty good about justin fields also as a uh as a uh, league winner, again, you see here, he's had uh, multiple monster games. Um, some of the stuff that this dude has uh, has been doing is r- absolutely, absolutely insane. I'm going to try to go really quickly pull up uh, some tweets I put in on Justin Fields. And it's, cr- I mean, if you haven't seen kind of what he's doing here over the course of the last... uh na-na-na-na-na over the course of the last five weeks. Here we go. This run Justin Fields is on is insane. In... This is the crazy... This is actually the crazy part. In the first five weeks, the people who are anti-young player, young breakout, right? The people like... The idiots like me, who draft Justin Fields and Trey Lance and Kyle Pitts and... Rashad Bateman and Drake London and Garrett Wilson, right, and Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker, the idiots like us, and Javante Williams, the the idiots who draft those guys, and they say, you know, you can Aren't you worried? Aren't you worried about Melvin Gordon? <laughs> we don't even need to talk about. It. Aren't you worried about Melvin Gordon? Uh, takes from Javante anymore. Aren't you worried about the Falcons passing game? Aren't you worried about the Seahawks offense? Aren't you worried about the Bears offense? Yes, of course. We're worried about all of that. And it came true for Justin Fields in the first five weeks. He was a QB 24. He had less than 200 total rushing yards, which is like still good for a quarterback. But he was scoring 11, less than 12 fantasy points per game in the first five weeks. And everybody's like, (laughs) Trey Lance had gotten hurt. Kyle Pitts is dust. Justin Fields isn't doing anything. Javante had gotten hurt. It's like, you, you are all idiots. Told you. We told you. And then, hmm. Dynamic player figures it out. And his team starts to figure it out. And maybe his matchups get a little bit better. Week six to 10, Justin Fields, 555 rushing yards, 30.6 fantasy points per game, the QB1. More than Josh Allen, more than Patrick Mahomes, all of those guys. For some additional context, he has never thrown more than 28 passes in a game this year. He is sixth in the entire NFL in rushing yards, 749. He is behind just five running backs, Saquon, the big dog, Chubb, Josh Jacobs, and Damian Pierce. So yes, that means he's ahead of JT and CMC and Najee and Eckler and Mixon and on down the list, Kamara, everybody. He's ahead of all those guys in rushing yards. His six rushing touchdowns, that's also only behind Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Jamal Williams, Josh Jacobs, and Ken Walker. He's, he's an absolute, complete, and utter smash. And it's because he's a dynamic football player. Why do we target these rushing quarterbacks? Why, why is the Trey Lance joke so ongoing? If you, if you are watching what Justin Fields is doing right now, and you can't comprehend why people drafted Trey Lance. What the fuck is going on in your brain? Like, I, this is it. This is it. Oh, I, you know, give me Tom Brady. How safe is Tom? Give me Matthew Stafford. Give me those guys. I'm not drafting that shitty young quarterback. Here's why you do it. <laughs> this this the, league winners. I want league. Matthew Stafford could not win you the league. He could possibly not hurt you. He was a Small win, massive loss player. You drafted Matthew Stafford, your team is donezo. Unless maybe you drafted Justin Fields with him and Justin Fields came to the rescue of your safe Matthew Stafford pick or your safe Tom Brady pick. Derek Carr, all those guys. Trash for fantasy. And this, this outcome for Justin Fields is specifically why you target these kinds of players. Did I know that Justin Fields hell no i probably made as many jokes about the bears right Valus jones is is older than me and you know they're playing you know playing a bunch of castaways at wide receiver you know they're lost they're clueless they're idiots we all said it it is what it is but why do you still why do you ignore all that and you still take justin fields it's because this type of this archetype of a player can be a league winner Matthew Stafford cannot. It doesn't matter. The the results don't matter. It's hard to put that out of your brain of being like, when Trey Lance misses, when Trey Lance misses, you're like, he was bad process. You're an idiot. That was bad process. But the same process is how you get on Justin Fields. The same one. When you fade Javante, like, you know, idiots, idiots faded. You know, you dummies, you drafted Javante Williams. The same process puts you on Brees Hall and Travis Etienne. The same process, and so people want the right or wrong about individual players. Like, how did you land on that league winner? Well, what was your take on him? My take was he's a young, f- top ten pick quarterback who runs a four three forty. He's a freak, you know. It, like, he has upside. Do I know if it'll come true? Am I excited about the Bears? Fuck no, no. But does that matter? No, and he's proving why it doesn't matter. Do I think Justin Fields is going to sustain exactly what he's doing right here? Of course not. Yes, am I worried about the first two weeks of the playoffs against the Eagles and the Bills? Yes, of course. Aren't you worried? Yes, always, always worried. I worry about everything. (laughs) Was I worried about Melvin? Yes, was I worried about the Falcons passing rate? Yes, was I worried about Tyreek, uh, you know, Tua throwing a bunch of ducks to him? Yes, all of it always worried about it, but it doesn't matter because we're trying to find these league winners and you find league winners when the stuff that everybody else is worried about doesn't happen. We're worried about the Bears. It doesn't matter. And if you can get this there, this is awesome. If you can get this, you want to talk about two league winners. If you can if you can weather the storm through weeks 15 and 16, let me pull up the playoff schedule really quick if you can weather the storm through weeks 15 and 16 with the bears and the lions here's our here's our cheat sheet here the lions get the jets so not an awesome matchup get the panthers that's a fine matchup god the panthers what a shit show by the way like they have all this talent on defense what how are they getting shredded all the time anyway jets pretty good defense Panthers, whatever, fine matchup. So Amon Ra got a pretty nice little shot here, given given the target share our boy has now of uh, being a, a quote unquote league winner. And if you can get, you know, this Bears, your, your Justin Field stacks through Philly and Buffalo to play against Amon Ra in the championship, you would be you're sitting in the BBM three finals. With Fields, Comet, and, uh, and 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 you're feeling you're feeling pretty good. Um, I did want to mention. Uh, sp- also, speaking of the Bears, uh, you guys called out. Thank you. I didn't miss it. Um, do do do. Khalil Herbert on IR just went on IR. Uh, he'll miss the next four games. And so he will also miss the first round of the playoffs. I mean, that's really big for David Montgomery. I, that pains me because you guys know me well enough at this point to know I ain't drafting much David much David Montgomery, even though he was on that one big board team. Um, let's see if I drafted him in BBM. I don't know if I have any David Montgomery in uh, Best Ball Mania 3. So we'll look. look at my... Nope, zero. Nope. I don't have a, I don't have a Demont mania three team. So you know it's really funny the world has come full circle making fun of David Montgomery because he kind of luck boxed being a league winner last year. Was that last year? He like league uh, really luck boxed. <coughs> Excuse me. He really luck boxed being a uh, league winner last year. Let me go to DraftKings. I'll we'll just do the Millie, because I definitely didn't draft him in anything. Nope. <laughs> Shit. That's so funny. I don't have any David. I don't have any David Montgomery in. Uh, but you can see my nineteen uh, percent advance rate in the DraftKings Millie right now. Twenty four percent within. Uh, is this is sorted by points. Yeah, sorted by points. So my high scoring team here is a Fields team. Shocker. DeAndre Swift actually. Um. Oh, and of course, uh, the aforementioned. Khalil Herbert, but I mean, David Montgomery, right? These kinds of guys that kind of come out of nowhere are the most fascinating league winners to me. Like, look, Justin Fields is a league winner. Kenneth Walker is a league winner. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing, frankly, uh, Travis Kelsey might be, (laughs) Um, you know, these guys, Tyreek, Tyreek, definitely a league winner. Um, You know, those guys are not uh, that it's not super profound. And the, Ownership of those guys in the playoffs is going to reflect the fact that they are the clear and obvious league winners. Stone Cold smashes. Josh Jacobs uh, continuing along that path. Uh, I'm sure yeah, I'm, I'm missing the very, very obvious league winners. But the most fascinating ones, for especially you know, for us being best ball focused, right? The, the Ken Walker is the most important guy if you're just caring about your 12-team home league. Right? Just give me, give me Fields' Walker, Travis, Kelsey, Tyreek on my home league team. And like, who gives a shit about the rest? You know, I don't care about Kadarius, Tony in that, in that, I don't care about David Montgomery in that, but these guys who haven't necessarily been awesome and then come on, right. Eno, Eno, that crazy, Eno example we talked about earlier come like has some good weeks to help you out. Then goes to the Texans, and now maybe he's going to go split some work with Damian Pierce, right? These guys, David Montgomery comes on, and now he's back to a workhorse. This is what happened last year with, with uh, David Montgomery. I think I, I agree. Tristan Ebner will play some, but like I mean, it's David. Mon- it's going to be David Montgomery's general general backfield. So, but so these guys, Tony Montgomery, Eno, Trey McBride. Uh, I think Chase Claypool is super interesting um, t- to kind of go along with, with uh, like Jonathan saying, f- seeing fields, fields play so well, so well with the bears losing is the dream for the, the, the bears fans. And you know maybe, maybe we'll get a little Claypool action going here. Your Cl- Claypool teams are probably feeling totally dead. Maybe he comes alive. Those are the guys that are all the most like kind of interesting to me from a, like when we're talking about league winners, kind of talked obviously a lot about it (laughs) It turned into a how the hell do we find these league winners and all that, that kind of stuff. But we'll continue to talk every week on this, you know, on, on Tuesdays and I'm fascinated to continue to see like, Oh, like if we just keep seeing Tony's role grow, I mean, the guy has what nine weeks of literally zero production. And you, if you can sneak him in to the playoffs, like that's the dream, dude, that's the dream. That's the wide receiver Rashad Penny. That's what we want. That's that's what we want. You know, Amon Ra. He'll just be Amon Ra. That's what we um, put put Amon Ra on the freaking Chiefs. <laughs> that's what you that's what is like in the range of outcomes for what you might have for Kadarius. Double digit targets with low ownership in the playoffs, but on the Chiefs. <laughs> I know it didn't, it's not like it would have mattered because Amon Ra was just such a smash, regardless. But like that's what I want to kind of continue to talk through moving forward. Uh, This will not be the last league winners conversation we have here, but those kinds of guys that kind of continue to pop up, right? Um, A lot of it's by their teammates getting hurt, um, (laughs) getting cut and signed by the Texans, whatever Keontae, uh, Keontae Ingram could be Keontae Ingram, you know, shout out Silas, who uh, works for Spike Week, writes for Spike Week, was big on Keontae Ingram. Think about Keontae Ingram as a low key Right, James. James Connor is going to make it from now until week seventeen without getting hurt. Doubtful. And they were willing to go with Keontae over Eno. That's why Eno's gone. So, like, what happens when James Conner goes down again and Keontae steps in? There's, there's your you know, random league winner on a guy who did nothing all year. Those kinds of guys, super duper fascinating to me um i but yeah 100 percent. this is a perfect way to wrap it up why all this is so important why <clears throat> why we're talking about these random players is cool on 2k says if you play dfs you know you need guys who are slate breakers and that's what the championship of best ball is even the even the first two rounds of the playoffs it's like playing in the thunderdome You know, playing in a very small tournament where you still need upside. And then you get to week 17, like literally everything is upside in week 17 and as much low owned upside as you can get. So why are we talking about Kadarius Tony and Keontae Ingram and Trey McBride is because those are the guys that win you the tournaments. Getting Justin Fields there and Amon Ra there. Yes, please God. Let me get one of those teams. I want it too. But you're not sneaking by your Justin Fields, Ken Walker, and I'm raw team, right? That's It's, it's going to be duplicated. Other people are going to have that. You sneak it in with Kadarius Toney and Trey McBride and Keontae Ingram with James Conner out, right? And that kind of stuff. They play the Falcons, by the way. That would be sweet. You know, you, you sneak Kyle Pitts in. You sneak th- th- these, these guys, these dynamic players with real upside that can break a slate. You know, sneaking in AJ Green doesn't get you anywhere, <laughs> you know. The you want the guys that can come and win you the week. And how do we get those 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 guys? You know, I'm not I'm not sitting here trying to say, oh, this is going to tell us how to find Kadarius Tony next year, the guy who gets traded, you know, to the Chiefs. But uh, thinking through how everything is kind of unfolding as it goes, I feel like we can figure out. Um, some lessons and it all kind of goes back to this is we want to get to week 17 and we want to have guys who can break the slate because that's how we win because everybody's going to have all the good players when you get to week 17 how many ken walker teams are going to be there a lot even if he doesn't awesome in the playoffs because he's winning everyone their least right people are going to have those guys so how do we how do we win it's these, it's, uh, it's these other guys, like Jeff Wilson. There you go. Good one. Jeff Wilson. A, f- a fun one. Um, I'm going to get out of here. I appreciate you guys, as always. We're going to continue to do this on Tuesdays, kind of talking through those different these different things, right? League winners, maybe some playoff. Next week we'll talk about uh, uh, some playoff matchups. We'll talk about some, some different things that uh, are leading us in to the playoffs. And then we can tilt, absolutely tilt our faces off when we get to week 15, 16 and 17 when things when when all our teams die. Hopefully they don't die. But uh uh shout out Neil. Shout out Neil. Totally agree. What a bust. And I will see you guys uh uh, uh we'll be back tomorrow. Rob, and I'll be back tomorrow, but for this show, I'll see you guys next week. Keep bringing those uh uh keep bringing those those teams. You can reply on my my tweet on Twitter, or you can go into the Discord, drop your teams in there. We're constantly reviewing teams, uh, uh, myself and others, providing uh, some feedback on teams. A lot of fun. Uh, anyway, catch you guys later. See ya.